Hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Video Games. How do they make money? My name is Tyler, and in this episode, I'll be explaining downloadable content, or DLC as it's commonly referred to. I'll also be explaining its pricing, origins, why it's a good way for developers to make money, and how it affects developers and consumers. For the sake of being concise, I will be referring to it as DLC, because downloadable content is just too much of a mouthful to be saying multiple times over an episode. Uh, with that, let's get started. So downloadable content, or again, DLC, can come in various forms and prices. It can be anywhere from a 99 cent cosmetic to a $40 expansion that feels like an entirely new game. So DLC revolutionized how developers are able to make and deliver content for their games, as well as the life cycle of games in general. For example, it used to be that games would come out and that would be it. There would be nothing else added to them. It would just be the game. You buy it for its base price, like we discussed in the last episode, and that would be all you get. But now developers are able to not only make their initial game, but also plan DLC to be released along the course of the game's life cycle, which could be a year, two years, or their live service games that just go on indefinitely and will go on for as long as they have an audience. So with that being said, what exactly is in a DLC? Well, like I said, it can be a cosmetic, it can be an expansion, or it could be somewhere in between. I'll be using Skyrim, for example. Skyrim came out 10 years ago on November 11th, 2011, and initially it released as just the base game. Then they started putting out DLC for it in the form of Hearthstone, Dawnguard, and I believe there was another one. And Hearthstone, for example, completely changed the way player housing worked in the game. Instead of just having to go and do a quest and then buy a house with gold or being gifted it for certain quest lines, you were able to go and build your own house. Similarly, Dawnguard added entirely new areas, new factions, and new gameplay for vampires, werewolves, and hunters. So DLC can be a lot of things. On the other side, more for the 99 cent cosmetic, the game Friday the 13th has costume packs that all they are is just new outfits for the playable characters referred to in game as the counselors and these packs are about three dollars each and just have various cosmetics for the counselors that's it there's no additional gameplay nothing else new and nothing that changes the core gameplay mechanics 
So DLC can be priced again anywhere from 99 cents, which is the lowest cost allowed on Steam, to anywhere from 40, 60, I've seen $70 DLC. And the price doesn't necessarily mean that it is worth the content it has. That is up to the developer, and sometimes they misprice DLC. For example, some games release kind of empty, um, kind of empty DLCs that they have content, but they're nowhere near appropriately priced, which can lead consumers to feeling ripped off and like their time and money is being wasted, especially if the DLC is being touted as, oh, it's going to change everything, when really it adds one new quest, and that's pretty much it. So some games also have what is called a season pass, which is sort of like pre-ordering the DLC. Using Back for Blood as an example, they currently have no announced planned DLC. We know that they are working to make two new chapters. However, we don't know the size, timetable, any of that. But you can buy a season pass for the game, which will allow you to essentially pre-order the unreleased DLC and then play it when it is released and available. So, all in all, DLC can be a very, very robust way for developers and consumers to get more out of their games. And not even in a greedy way for developers. It can make it so that a game five years old can still be relevant and it can also make it so that consumers are still able to enjoy and experience new content for one of their favorite games. So let's talk about a brief history of DLC and where it came from. So DLC has existed in various forms since the Dreamcast released in 1998, which sounds kind of weird because the internet as a place for games wasn't really that prevalent back in 98. But the Dreamcast had functionality in it that could allow players to download things over a built-in Ethernet port. That said, it has only really risen to prevalence as a monetization method since the release of the Xbox 360, PS3, and Steam on PC. The Xbox Live Marketplace, for example, made DLC far, far easier for developers to distribute on. And it basically made it so that there was a certain place that developers could go and consumers could go to look at DLC, see what's out there, and really just decide, hey, I want this. Or for developers to go, hey, we want to add this to our game, why don't we as DLC? 
because again, developers used to have to wait and either just leave content completely cut from their game or wait to be able to make a sequel, which not all games got sequels or get sequels these days. So it really, really is a revolutionary upgrade, update, what have you to the video game life cycle development process and consumer process. There are many pros and cons to it. You know, developers have to consider what functions, what content, what do we want in our main game that people are either going to buy or play for free and that will be the initial the initial like vibe that they get from this game, the first impression, so to speak. And as a consumer, you have to look at DLC and really think, is this worth my money? You know, if you look at a map pack for Call of Duty, you have to determine, is this 10, 15, $20 map pack for an already $60 game worth my money? Or would I be better off either spending that on a completely separate lower priced game, saving it for a higher priced game, or just getting DLC for a different game that might be cheaper? For example, Streets of Rage 4 released at $15 and released a $7 DLC. And in a way, this is a DLC that's almost worth half the game's value right out the gate, but it adds enough new content that it feels like more than half of another game. And these are what developers and consumers have to consider alike when making DLC, buying DLC, and just overall considering what it means for them. Similarly, developers have to be very, very careful when it comes to pricing their DLC and trying to determine how and when they're going to release it. Because if a brand new AAA game that everyone is excited for is coming out, say, November 28th, right? Then that's probably a bad time for an indie developer to release DLC for a smaller game because it will be overshadowed by this brand new game that everyone is going to be playing, watching, looking up, you know, all the storefronts will be filled with it. But if there's a day where there's not really much going on in the gaming sphere and not much projected to go on, that is typically a good day for DLC to release because then it can take the spotlight. And it also has to, like I've said, be priced appropriately. If you have a $60 game 
you're not going to want to release a $40 DLC for half an hour of content or one map or anything like that because that's just greedy and ridiculous and consumers are not going to like that. So with all of that said, my personal opinion is that DLC is fantastic in the sense that it makes games live longer. It helps games get the treatment that they deserve without being rushed through a development process. You know, again, Skyrim as an example. The DLC for that game genuinely enrich the experience and make it better. But if that had been crammed into the game for when it released and launched, the entire game as a whole would have suffered because nothing would have been the same quality. So that's about it. In conclusion, DLC can be a very powerful tool for developers and have a lot of value for consumers. And that's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.